King, thank you for being here. I know we have guests uh, among us, and thank you for being here as we continue to study from the Word of God. Well, a couple of years ago, Nikki shared with me a Bible verse that I absolutely love. I still remember, and it has motivated me and encouraged me, and I want to share this Bible verse with you. If you have your Bible, open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 23. When Nikki shared this verse with me, I was pretty sure I had read it in the past, but when she shared it with me, it really stood out to me. I got goosebumps just reading it and really thinking about what was said in this text. Nikki had been using a, uh, a Bible uh, app called UVerse, and she came across the text and she said, you got to read this. And we talked about it and I've, I've held on to it ever since. It's about a man named Benaiah or Benaniah, if you're familiar with Benaiah or Benaniah. And it's just a fascinating verse. I want to read it to you. And I want you just to think about what we're getting ready to read and what this man did in 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel Samuel chapter 23, verse number 20. The Bible says, Then Benaiah, the son of Jehida, the son of a valiant man of Kabzil, who had done mighty deeds, killed the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in the middle of a pit on a snowy day. When I read that, I was pretty impressed. And hopefully you are impressed too that this man named Benaiah, I'm so impressed I almost want to change my name to Benaiah. I love this guy. This man, Benaiah, he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And when I was reading this, I'm just thinking to myself, who does this? But evidently this man, Benaiah, that's exactly what he did. And when you really think about this, the fact that he went down into the pit to kill this lion on a snowy day means that he was chasing the lion. It wasn't like this animal was coming after him, but rather he went down into the pit where this beast was and he would die or he would destroy this king of the jungle. And I'm really impressed with this story because about four years ago, I went to and I had the opportunity to see some lions and they are, they are ferocious and they are intimidating and they are massive. We were able to go to, I guess it's called a lion preserve where uh, you could see some of these animals close up, not too close. You got to have a wall and we were behind like an electric fence. And it was fascinating because there were two guys that went into the fence where the lions were. You couldn't see them at the time. They were somewhere else, but they had a big pickup truck and a dead bull or something like that. And they tied that dead bull to a tree and one of them was to a tree as quickly as he could and the other one was going like this and you know why he was going like that right because they don't have to ring a bell or anything like that for the lions to come they just instinctively know there's some food to eat and so one of them signed it up as quickly as possible the other one's on the lookout and then they got back into the truck and got out as quickly as they could and about 60 seconds later you see the male lion just slowly taking his time walking out and you can just see the power his teeth and the paws, and the female lions, and the baby lions all walking out. And that made it even more impressive when I read this text. That this man named Benaiah went down into a pit and killed a lion on a snowy day. We don't have that many details about this story. But you can use your imagination to fill in the blanks. If one of these animals weighs an average about 400 pounds, that's pretty impressive. We know that these animals can run fast. They can leap a great distance. And not to mention that it was snowing and was cold. I think this is the only time where snow is used in a literal sense. And so it was snowing. It was cold, most likely. And I have some questions. Number one, was Benaiah, was he stiff and cold as he went down into that pit? Another question that I often think about is, Was he afraid? 
you got to have a lot of courage to jump into the pit to kill this lion. And as I think about Benaiah jumping into this, uh, into this pit, did he see the eyes of this lion staring back at him? Did he see the, the paw prints and did he know exactly where this animal was? Did he have any second thoughts when he went down into the pit? I don't know, but I, what I do know is that this man was brave and this man had a lot of courage. But I have more questions. The biggest question, I think, is why did he do it? Why would anyone jump into a pit on a snowy day and go after a lion? Uh, had this animal been a menace to the people in the area? Maybe so. What we know is that Benaiah was one of the men of King David. We read about these mighty men of King David in 2 Samuel chapter 23, but we don't know too many other details. And what's interesting, too, is that there are other stories of lions in, in the Word of God. You remember in Daniel chapter 6, the people threw Daniel into the pit, and God would watch over him, protect him. And as soon as those who were trying to cause trouble for Daniel, as soon as they were thrown into the pit the next day, the lions tore them and ate them immediately. There's another story that's fascinating in Judges chapter 14 with Samson. And what's interesting about this story is that the lion, lion came toward him. And it says that he tore the animal up like a young goat. And he certainly was strong. But the distinction is that animal was going after Samson. Benaiah, he jumped down into the pit on a snowy day. When you think about these animals, they're experts in hunting prey. They don't lose a fight. But one did on a snowy day. He went down into the pit. And fear did not defeat him or cause him to flee. There was no taking the safe route for Benaiah. He chased the lion. And we read more about this man. We read about some of the mighty warriors in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Look at verse number 8. I'm just going to give you a couple of verses here. Verse number 8, it says that these are the mighty, or these are the names of the mighty men of, of, of the mighty men whom David had. And you just read about these men of, of, of men who were able to, to kill 800 people at one time. In verse number 13, it says, then three of the 30 chief men went down and came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Adalam while the troop of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephim. And David was then in the stronghold while the garrison of the Philistines was was then in Bethlehem. And these men would do what needed to be done for their king. They were fearless. And when you read about all these stories in 2 Samuel chapter 23, in verse number 18, it says, Abashi, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of the 30, and he swung his spear against 300 and killed them and had a name as well as the three. These men were amazing. People get fired up about the Avengers. Man, forget about the Avengers. Think about these men. These were the mighty men. They could do great things. And by the way, we haven't even talked about the rest of verse number 20 of Benaiah. Did you see the first part of verse number 20? He had done mighty deeds. He killed the two sons of Ariel and Moab. These were two mighty men, two giants in nature. And so Benaiah, he would go on to do some mighty things. And later on in 1 Chronicles and 1 Kings, we're not going to take the time to read it, but we see that he would ascend in the ranks and he would continue to be uh, one of the great men of David and then for King Solomon by the time you get to the kings. There's something interesting here in verse number 30. I feel bad because there's another man named Benaiah in verse number 30. And I often think about if people came to that Benaiah in verse number 30 and said, hey, I heard you jumped into a pit and killed a lion. And that Benaiah would have to say, no, that's the, that's the other Benaiah. I didn't do anything like that. But nonetheless, this Benaiah, he was powerful. He was amazing. And he killed a lion on a snowy day. 
Now, some of you guys may be thinking, this is great, but what does this have to do with me? I'm not jumping into a pit, and I'm certainly not chasing after any animal. I want you to think about the mentality that this man had. This chase the lion mentality. I believe this is the kind of mentality that we need to have. When I read this, and there's actually a book called Chase the Lion, and this kind of became my new mindset. This idea of chasing lions is about truly being fearless. What's interesting is that it said that babies are born with two fears, the fear of noise and the fear of falling. And yet when you look around and if we look in the mirror, there are many times where we are fearful of so many things. And the question is why? Why do we become afraid? Why do we fear so many different scenarios or situations in our lives? Christians can allow fear to shackle us and prevent us from fighting and doing what is right. And so this idea of chase the lion is about making the most of difficult situations, about overcoming the odds, about being fearless no matter what. Fear is powerful, though. It can stop a person in their tracks. And truthfully, it can delay the blessings that God, for, God has for his people. It can also hold us back from doing the great work of evangelism. Fear, lack of confidence, doubt, uncertainty can often hold us back from doing what it is that the Lord truly wants us to do. The thought of talking to someone can be frightening to some. The thought of having a Bible study with someone can be even more frightening to others. And yet at the same time, brothers and sisters, God has not called us to sit on the sidelines when it comes to evangelism. Do you agree with that? We are to make disciples. We are disciples of Jesus, and we are to go and make disciples. We are to proclaim our faith, and truthfully, God wants us to be fearless. I've been thinking about this idea of fearless because last week I was at the youth lectures, and that was our theme, the idea of being fearless. And I want us to consider having a mentality of where we chase the lion, this idea that we are fearless, especially when it comes to doing the great work of evangelism. And I want you to really think about what's at stake here. Open up your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Six. In Acts chapter 26, as Paul was talking to King Agrippa, he would remind him about what he was doing and his mission and what he was really going after and why he was doing what he was doing. In Acts chapter 26, I want you to notice what Paul said to Agrippa in verse number 18. Acts chapter 26 and verse number 18, Paul said to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. This is what Paul was all about, to help Jews and to help Gentiles to be delivered from the power of darkness, to be delivered delivered from the dominion of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins. And this is where we come in. While we are not an apostle, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while we are not an apostle who, were called, who was called to go out and proclaim the word, we still have a responsibility. We have the words of the apostles. We have the Holy Spirit and his words uh, given to us and recorded for us so that we can share the good news with others. And yet, if we're going to do this and be successful, it means that we're going to have to be fearless. It means that we're going to have to have this chase the lion mentality where we're going to jump into that pit, even when it gets a little frightening, and we're going to go out and successfully do the work of God. And so what I want to talk about tonight or this afternoon for a few minutes 
is really overcoming some fears that we may have. I think many, some or maybe many Christians have many fears when it comes to evangelism. And so we need to chase the lion when it comes to uh, reaching the lost. And what this is going to look like, there are going to be some things that we're going to have to overcome. The biggest thing, namely, is fear. So the question is, how do we overcome this fear? How do we overcome the fear of evangelism, the fear of reaching and going out to the lost and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ? I was greatly encouraged last week at the youth lectures and the things that I heard. And I want to share with you some of the things that I heard. Some of you were there. Some of the young people were there. And this will be a great reminder for you. But I want to share with everybody some of the things that that I learned and some of the things that I believe will help you and me when it comes to overcoming our fear of evangelism. And then at the end, you you got to hang with me. At the end, I'm going to give you all something that you can do, something that we're going to do here in the month of August that I'm really excited about, yet all of us are going to have to be on board to do this, okay? Let's talk about the idea of chasing the lion and how we can become fearless and overcome the fear of evangelism. If you're afraid or if you've ever been fearful, if you've ever allowed fear to hold you back, there's some things that you need to know. You can overcome your fear of evangelism. And the first thing you're going to have to do, the first thing I will have to do, and I think really this is the foundation of everything, if we're truly going to overcome our fear when it comes to evangelism, is that we're going to ultimately have to fear God. And you may be thinking, what do you mean fear God? I don't want to fear. No, we need, we need to fear the Lord. We need to fear God more than man. And what's interesting in Matthew chapter 10, and this is what Jesus would teach his apostles. Look at Matthew chapter 10. We're not going to read all of these verses, but I want to share some of these things with you. In the first five verses, we find in Matthew chapter 10 that Jesus would call the 12. He would summon the 12 disciples, and we see their names, who they were, and we see that they had power, power and authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And what an amazing time that must have been for the apostles. And Jesus would tell them in verse number five, these 12, Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, cast out demons freely. You received freely give, give. They were going to do some amazing things as they went out, what you could call maybe the limited type commission. And he would give them instructions about what they were to do. And then when you drop down to verse number 16 and moving forward, he's going to expand uh, this idea of them going out. And we will see he's going to give them instructions and warnings and reminders of things that they would face later on that we actually read a lot about in the book of Acts. And verse number 16 Uh, Jesus would say to the disciples, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but beware of men. He warned them, beware of men. You're going to face some challenges along the way, but beware of men for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you and their synagogues. That's what in the book of Acts. That's exactly what they experienced. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake, verse 18, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. They, they weren't to worry. The Holy Spirit was with them and he would give them the words that they needed to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child and children will rise up against his parents and cause them to be put to death. 
you will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. They may have started off being really excited, but as Jesus continues on uh, telling them what they're going to face, they may have become a little bit discouraged. You go out and you proclaim my message, my word, and by the way, people are going to hate you. You're going to face opposition. There is going to be difficult days ahead of you. But you need to go out and continue to preach my word. Verse 23, whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, if they have done this to me, then you can't be shocked that they're going to be coming after you. If they have said these things concerning me, then of course they're going to say these things to you. But watch what he said next in verse number 26. He said, therefore, do not fear them. Don't fear them because they're already doing these things to me. And when you go out and proclaim my message, you don't fear man. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear. There it is again. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Those who kill the body but are, are unable to kill the soul. Now watch this. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who are they to fear, number one? God. You don't be afraid of man because man can only do so much to you. But you fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell or not two sparrows sold for a cent. And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head, they're all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. You see the point Jesus is making here? You got work to do. And as you go out into the world, you cannot fear. In fact, the one that you need to fear the most is your father in heaven. Don't worry about those who can kill the body. Don't worry about the men or the women that you're going to come across and meet. Rather, fear the one that can kill both body and soul. And it's interesting because he's saying, do not fear. And then he said, okay, you do need to fear. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's helping them to see and, and using a paradox, this statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality is expressing a truth. Very much like when he said, in order to save your life, you must lose it. It may not always come across as making sense, but it's exactly what we need to hear. So when it comes to overcoming your fear of evangelism, the first thing that we need to do is truly fear God by being more fearful of the God that we serve. And I believe this is exactly what Jesus is teaching here. And understanding that the foundation of fearing God is truly understanding the greatness of God. Truly appreciating and understanding how powerful and how amazing and how magnificent our God really is. It's the realization of knowing who we're truly dealing with. The one who has the power to destroy both body and soul in hell. We're not talking about just anyone. We're talking about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The God who had the power to destroy and raise up kingdoms like Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome. 
We're talking about the one who had the power to speak everything into existence. The one who could part the Red Seas. The one who could deliver manna from heaven for 40 continuous years. That's the God that we need to fear with fear and trembling. The one that we need to truly understand his power and his greatness. The God that we serve is not small, but he is big. And he is amazing. And we put too much emphasis on man and what man might say and what man might do. But God is saying, you fear me first and foremost. That's how you can truly overcome your fear when it comes to talking to people and when it comes to evangelism. Three times he said, do not fear. And then he would drive home the points that they needed to know, uh, points of encouragement that they needed to know along the way. He said in verse number 26, don't fear them for there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. You don't fear because in the end, one day you're going to be vindicated. I know everything that's going on and all the wicked deeds that have been taking place, all these individuals and their deeds will be exposed one day. Justice one day will be served. Therefore, you don't fear. You don't fear man because in verse number 28, uh, man is not the one that you truly need to worry about or be fearful of. It's God, the one who truly has the power. So you go out and you continue to proclaim my word. You don't fear because of what he said in verses 29, 30, and 31. He knows that he knows the very hairs of our head and how they're all numbered. And he, he said, you know, are not two sparrows sowed for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. You're way more valuable than a sparrow. And I know all these small details. And if I know all these things that are taking place, I know exactly what you're going through. So this is why you do not fear. You be courageous and you go after what it is that God wants you to do. And let me tell you why. The fourth reason he tells us why is because in verse number 32, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. Don't be ashamed of me. You tell others about me. You tell others about the gospel. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. You see why we shouldn't fear man and why we should fear the Lord? Do not fear. Overcoming fear of evangelism, I think, is on our side. When we understand who is on our side, my friends, we will have nothing to fear. And so if you want to overcome fear of evangelism, if I want to overcome this fear that can so often hold us back, number one, quit seeking the approval of men and seek the approval of God. It's not about what man is going to say. It's all about what God is going to say. Number two, quit fearing what man might say and be concerned what God is going to say and what God can do to us. And number three, we need to continue to listen to God and his word and truly remember the greatness of the one that is on our side. Brothers and sisters, we've already, we're already victorious because of what Jesus has accomplished. And so overcoming fear of evangelism first begins by truly fearing the Lord. That's how we can truly overcome evangelism. And as we think about the power of God, if you want to overcome your fear of evangelism, a second thing that we can do, that you can do, that I can do, uh, pray your fears. Pray our fears. Pray your fears. What is it that you are afraid of? Have you thought about that? When it comes to evangelism, what is it that you may truly be afraid of? Or that it's something that may be holding you back from doing more that the Lord wants you to do. Whatever it is, we need to pray our fears. What's fascinating, when you turn over to the, gospel, or the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, we find that the apostles, they were doing everything that Jesus said to do. When it came to evangelism, they were proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They healed a man in Acts chapter 3. They were preaching about Jesus crucified in Acts chapter 4. Opposition began to arise. The Bible says that the Sadducees and the priests 
In verse number two, they became greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them and put them in jail, Peter and John, until the next day, for it was already evening. Drop down to verse number 16. These men, these enemies of the truth, they said, what shall we do with these men? The fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Be quiet. Stop talking about Jesus. What's Peter and John going to do? No, we're not listening to you because we fear God more than man. And that's exactly what they believe. That's exactly what they did in verse 19. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. No, we're not going to do that because we fear God more. We're on a mission. That's the chase the lion type mentality. It doesn't matter how dangerous it may get. They were going out into that pit and they said, we're going to keep doing the will of God. I don't care what you do to us. Now notice this, they were released in verse 23 and they went to their companions and they reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them, now you can read this and you can say, man, I can't be like Peter and John. I mean, they're being thrown in jail. I have a hard time just talking to someone. I can't be like them. They were fearless. They never had any doubts or, or any problems or issues like that. Hold on a second, because what we find next is that they would begin to pray. They would pray for confidence. Look at verse 24. When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, Oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. They were praying about the greatness of God, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage? Or quoting from Psalm 2, And the peoples devised futile things. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city... Were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. The enemies of God came against Jesus, and they were attacking Jesus and eventually have him crucified. Verse 28 to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Now, watch this. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. They recognized that they were threatened. They recognized what the enemy were, the enemies were saying, and now they're praying to God. And I wouldn't, it was not shocking to us to think that they had some fear, that they weren't afraid because God, we want you to take notice of, take notice of their threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence. Even the apostles needed to be encouraged. They needed to have that confidence to continue to do the will of God. And you see what they're doing? They're laying those fears right before the Lord. And they're praying and they're praying big. God, we want to do your work. Verse 30, while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. You see what happened? They prayed and they opened up their hearts to the Lord and they were concerned about the threats and they were praying for boldness and confidence and they continued to do the work of God. Notice that they did not pray for someone else to do the work. Notice that they didn't even pray to take away the fears or the dangers that were there. They prayed for confidence that they can continue to do the will of God. And that's exactly what they did. And this is exactly, my friends, what we need to do. You want to overcome fear of evangelism? Then pray your fears. 
Lay out your fears to the Lord and pray and continue to pray and to pray big and to continue to remember the greatness of our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. With him, all things are possible. Acknowledge his strength and acknowledge your weakness. We are nothing, but God is everything. And God can use us just as he used Gideon or Moses and Aaron and Peter and John. It doesn't matter who you are. God can use us. The power is not in us, but it's all in him, which means that we're going to have to trust him and we're going to have to petition him in our prayers. My friends, we cannot be cowards. We have to pray, pray the fears that we have and trust that God will move on our behalf. And as we pray to God, don't pray small but pray big because our God is big. Do you believe that? Do you truly believe? Do I truly believe that God is big? I'm seeing God work with the things that we're already doing here and the doors that are beginning to open. One of the things I've been praying about, and we've talked about this a little bit, what if we could get some studies at, at, at the University of North Texas? What if we can get some studies at some of these colleges here? There's opportunities everywhere. And as I was driving here, I was thinking, wait a second. The Lord is already beginning to open up these doors. He's answering our prayers. Charlie and, and Greta are going to North Central Texas College, and they're already working on getting a Bible study set up there. They've already done some research. The doors are going to begin to open. Steve and I met a couple of young people at the youth lectures who go to the University of North Texas, and what do you, want, what do you think they want to do? They want to start having a Bible study there. They want to start opening up some doors. I'm telling you, when we pray big, God is going to move. But do we truly believe that? Be careful what you pray for. Because God will move on our behalf. But we truly have to believe that. And whatever fears you may have, my friend, pray your fears to the Lord. And get that confidence that you need. Young people, look for those opportunities. School's getting ready to start back up. You know what would be great? Have a Bible study in one of the high schools. But you're going to have to be fearless. You're going to have to chase the lion. And you're going to have to overcome some of those fears that you have. And I know these studies on campus are going to work. It worked in the University of Missouri, worked at Lamar University, and we're going to do some great things here. But it's going to require all of us, and it's going to require great confidence and trust in the Lord. We've got to pray our fears. We've got to fear God more than man. And let me tell you something else that we're going to have to do. Overcoming your fear of evangelism means you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get involved. You're going to have to speak. You're going to have to start going out there. You're going to have to speak and not be silent. Look over in Acts chapter 18. Paul was in Corinth in Acts chapter 18, and Paul was already successful. He had already converted people in Acts chapter 18. And verse number 8, they heard, they believed, they were baptized. And yet in verse number 9 and 10, the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. Well, wait a second. Hit the pause button. Why is Jesus telling Paul, do not be afraid? Interesting. Why would, why would Jesus have to tell Paul, don't be afraid? Maybe because he was afraid. And he needed to be reminded by the Lord. Don't be afraid. Paul, you don't be afraid. But here's what I want you to do. You keep on speaking. Verse number 10, I'm with you and no man will attack you in order to harm me. For I have many people in this city. Paul needed to hear from Jesus, not to be afraid. He needed to be reminded, don't be afraid. And you know what? This wasn't the only time the apostle had to hear from Jesus about not being afraid. In Acts chapter 23 and verse number 10, I want you to notice again, in Acts 23 and verse number 10, we find something interesting here. 
Actually, verse number 11, excuse me. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. Jesus had to remind Paul, you take courage, do not be afraid, but you continue to go on and speak the word of God. And that's exactly what he did. He would continue to speak the word of God because there were many people in that city. Brothers and sisters, there are many people in the city of Louisville, many people in the city of Denton, many people in the city of Argyle, many people in Flower Mound, many people in Compel and Roanoke, many, wherever we may live, there's many people. What we're going to have to do, we're going to have to go on and speak and not remain silent. This is how we can overcome our fear. But it's going to require that we take some action and that we get out and that we start really applying the things. And I know we are. I'm not saying that we're not. But, but truly getting out there and speaking and not being silent. And the more we do that, the more confidence we're going to have along the way. Now is the time for us to do that. Just as Paul needed to hear from Jesus we got to hear from the Lord every day. And he ain't going to talk to us in a vision or a small, still voice. But he is speaking to us through these words right here. We have these words for us, for confidence, for assurance, for faith, to know that God is with us just as he was with Paul. And this is how we can overcome our fear of evangelism. But we're going to have to continue to speak and not be silent. And as we think about all these things, fearing the Lord, praying our fears, speaking and not be silent. I want to give you something here where all of us can truly take action with this. And all of us have already been doing a lot. We were called to make disciples and we're called to teach and to preach the word of God. And I'm really excited about what's going on here at the West Main congregation, all the great things we're already doing. Uh, You guys are probably getting tired of me talking about the cards If you're getting tired of hearing about the cards, you're just out of luck because, man, we're going to be talking about these cards for years to come because there's always going to be great work to do. And we need to continue to develop a a culture of evangelism and DNA, uh, having this idea of evangelism really, really being a part of our DNA. We've begun our Thursday studies, which are designed to give you and I more confidence, really the how-to of having a Bible study or talking to people or answering Bible questions. We're going to be continuing that uh, every Thursday. So if you need help with something Thursday at seven o'clock, seven to 8 p.m., come to the building and we're going to be doing great things here. There are Bible studies that are already taking place in the, in the community. Uh, we're doing great with the invite cards and the five-minute rule, rule, and uh, our presence online is growing uh, through social media. And so we're, now we're going to take it one step further. And I mentioned this a couple of months ago. This is something that all of us can do. And even if you can't get out and do this, you can still pray for our success. So here's what we're going to do beginning in September. Beginning in September... I'm going to be answering common or popular questions people have from the scriptures. And I'm really excited about that. Questions people have from the word of God. People have questions all the time about the scripture. Studying with Jane, uh, Jane Ellen at, uh, her, uh, at her home, talking to some of her neighbors. We, have so many, we had a great study last Monday, didn't we? We studied, just talked for about 90 minutes. They just had questions about the Bible. I talked to one of my neighbors, and the first time I invited him to service, he said, well, what about the problem of suffering? People have questions from the scriptures. Now you may be thinking, what questions are you going to answer? I have no idea. That's where you come in. Because I don't even have any questions at this time. And so what we're going to have to do, we're all going to have to collect questions 
people have from the scriptures. And this is designed that in the month of August, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to encourage you, we're going to encourage you, the shepherds are going to encourage you to go out and talk to your friends, your neighbors. When you go back to school next week, talk to those uh, who you may have been praying for or already studying with and, and let them know, listen, we're doing a special series of lessons in September where our evangelist is going to be answering popular questions people have and giving Bible answers to Bible questions. Do you have any questions he will, you would like him to answer? It's as simple as that, where you can ask someone and get their question. I already have some handouts in the back that will be available for you to pick up after services. And this is going to be designed, number one, to help us to continue to go out and talk to people. And it's going to be designed to hopefully open up some more doors when it comes to evangelism. If somebody has a Bible question, they can follow up with you. They can follow up with me. We can get them to come to service and hopefully even do something more with them. So I'm really excited about answering these popular questions that people have. But for us to be successful, you know what that's going to require? If there are any fears that we have, we're going to have to overcome them. Because if I don't have any questions in September, <laughs> it may be a long month. So we're going to have to get some questions along the way. That's where you come in. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. All of you, we're all in this together. I want you to start thinking about who could you talk to? Who can you talk to tomorrow? Maybe a friend or a neighbor, or a loved one that you've just kind of, you've been hesitant. Maybe this is a door of opportunity for you. Or you can say and share with them this special series of lessons that I'm going to be doing, that we're going to be doing here in the month of September. And so we will be successful with this. I, I truly believe it. And I'm truly excited to see what questions people have. But if we're going to truly do this, we're going to have to remember the words of Jesus. Do not be afraid. Go on and speak and do not be silent. For I am with you. We fear God more than anyone else. What can man do to us? We lay those fears before him in our prayers. We speak and we take action. We chase the lion. And when we do, great things will happen. Here's what's going to happen. And I'm done. I've, I've, I've spoken long enough. And there's going to be an opportunity that's going to come up this week. And you may get nervous. And when that, those nerves start to creep in and you get that feeling, I want you to think about Beniah. How he jumped into that pit. I can pretty much say it's not going to be as bad as jumping into a pit and fighting a lion. Okay. And when you talk to me, when I talk to you, let's ask one another. Hey, are you chasing the lion? You getting out there? You jumping into that pit? You being bold and courageous? Because when we do and when we are, great things are going to happen. Let's be fearless. Let's change the world. We have everything we need to change the world for the better because we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. I appreciate your attention this afternoon. If you have not obeyed the gospel, we want to help you. And we want to study with you. We want you to know and understand what you need to do to be saved from your sins and what that entails with belief and baptism. And if we can help you in any way, we invite you to come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.